Hello and welcome to another episode of the Races Formula E podcast. I'm your host Andrew Vanderberg and this is a very special instalment of the show featuring the latest driver to be confirmed on the 2021 grid and that man is Alex Lynn who will be driving alongside Alexander Sims at Mahindra Racing for season seven of Formula E which kicks off at Santiago, well we hope, in January. Uh, Alex joins us today alongside his new boss, Dilbag Gill, who has been an ever-present in the Formula E paddock and one of the most familiar and popular personalities in the all-electric series. Choosing Alex to be his driver must have been made a whole lot easier after those Berlin races last August when he took a handful of points on his first appearances for the Indian manufacturer. It'll be the third team in Formula E that Alex has represented after starting out with Virgin in 2017, taking a sensational pole position on his debut in New York City, and following that, he also completed a part season with Jaguar Racing after replacing Nelson Piquet when he departed mid-season at short notice. Uh, prior to his Formula E exploits, Alex had a stellar junior single-seater career, which included a Macau Grand Prix victory in 2013, the GP3 title the following year, and then eight GP2 wins. More recently, he's tasted success in the WEC for Aston Martin, and recently won the GTE Pro Race at Le Mans alongside teammates Maxime Martin and Harry Tinknell. Alex Dillbag, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us, Andrew. Thank you very much. It's good to have you here. Um, as always, we're joined by our Formula E man in the paddock, Sam Smith. Um, Sam, just a quick one from you to set the scene for Alex confirmation of Mahindra. Uh, probably not the biggest surprise in the world. Um, no, probably not. But I, you know, I think that's a testimony to what Alex achieved in Berlin back in August. Really, uh, scoring more points than the guy on the other side of the garage after just a, a day of, of testing was was pretty impressive. Uh, the other thing I think, which I'm sure probably Dillbag won't mind me saying, is that he did that in a in a car which was mostly a, a season a season old. So, um, you know, I think it was impressive. I think it probably made up Dillbag's mind and Alex has got the drive uh, overall I can't think of anyone else that that he that he would have taken or considered uh taking so I think when you speak to people at, at Jaguar and, and and some of the, the engineering guys at Virgin they they were as uh, surprised as anyone that, that Alex wasn't on the grid full-time last season so um but that's history now and we've got a, a pair of Alexes at, at Mahindra which is pretty cool and I think actually constitutes a, a very strong lineup for Dilbag and Mahindra Racing. Dilbag, is that true? Was it the Berlin races that made your mind up about um, signing Alex? Absolutely. I think, see, we set uh, some internal goals for ourselves with Alex for Berlin. And I think he just went and nailed it. Like, uh, we couldn't expect anything more from him. We knew our car was fast in qualifying and qualifying. Th- and we saw Alex had the best qualifying average of all drivers over the six races of day. Race pace wasn't a strength last year, but Alex sort of continuously improved through the six races and started bringing in some very useful points by the, I think, the last couple of races. So for me, yeah, what we expected from Alex, Alex delivered. And I think over and above that, we also were looking at Alex to start contributing towards the team. And I think he became an integral team member. I think my only regret was that I wasn't there in person to sort of see him race. Those six are the only races I've missed in my uh, Formula career. So I think I'm really excited to see him in the car and track at Valencia now. Alex, take us back to Berlin. You were, in essence, thrown into the deep end, into a team where your teammate had known the team inside out. Six races in, you know, uh, 11 days or whatever it was. How did you approach that and, and how did you feel it sort of went from a personal perspective? I think actually, I, it probably, it would sound like obvious for me to say this, obviously, because now I'm in the team, but I, 
I did feel very grateful that the team I was joining were extremely welcoming, but also that let's say my own small mini team that I managed to to work with, my race engineer Cyril and performance engineer Saqib, like we just you know we we set up like a house on fire really as as a small little unit, and um, I actually have got those guys to thank a lot for how quickly I felt up to speed in the car. Um, and Dilbag will contest it because. I saw in most weeks in the in the simulator we did so much preparation that you know we we really did the maximum and I felt I, I did feel comfortable not not like overly confident but I, I did feel like we're going to be good um, even though you know it was like you said coming in at the deep end um, I, there there wasn't really a point where I, I felt we couldn't do the job uh, I really really did feel that there was something good happening within the team and everyone had worked extremely hard during lockdown and that that g- gave me a lot of internal confidence actually I can imagine so Dilbeg what how does Alex fit into the long-term plans now is, is are you hoping this is going to be a stable lineup for the team so I think whenever you set up a team you're looking at it to be stable right uh, the expectation is uh, that we are going to be continuing for some point of time because mind the racing honestly is still work in progress uh, we had this massive changes last year uh, where we brought the team into, uh, like back all sort of internally. We are now focusing for for going forward. And I think having drivers who sort of are a part of the team and help uh, are able to help us grow is uh, supremely important. So I'm really looking forward to Alex being a contributor to our team for some time to come. So I'm in the early stages of um, Formula E. The driver lineup was really static with uh, with very few changes, certainly among the top teams. That seems to have been completely flipped on its head now. We've had this insane silly season with drivers swapping around all over the place. What's been your reading of it? Yeah, it's it's been pretty intricate what what's happened, and, and obviously it was, I guess, accelerated somewhat by the the pandemic and 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 the rescheduling of the end of last season. In respect of the the history of Formula E, it's it's an interesting one to kind of track, really, because obviously you've had an influx of manufacturers, and you think that actually stability wise that it that it should be um, pretty rock solid because manufacturers have their own factory assigned drivers. But as we've seen at BMW recently, that that's not necessarily the case, you know. And I think with a lot of the other teams, it's always looking for this balance of uh, experience in Formula E, drivers who understand it, intelligent drivers, for sure. And also, you know, it's it's plain as day, you've got to be quick. Uh, qualifying is such a big part of Formula E that you have to have somebody with, with flair and somebody who can stitch a lap together and, and make sure that they're in the, the Super, Pole, Super Pole mix. I think from uh, this season, it's been very intricate, as I said. Uh, the thing that impressed me about about Alex was that after he was passed over for the, for the Jaguar drive last season, he he dug in and contributed a great deal to some of their success by uh, you know some hard work in the sim and, and working with the engineers and so forth at Grove. And and actually, when you think about that, it it takes some steel and, and pro- top professionalism to to, to get in and, and do that after after an initial disappointment. But you know, he he put himself back in that position and, and, and being the guy that he is. He, he essentially became the, um, the the sub to go to last season, and that's and that's what happened. And, and Dilbag got him, and, and now it's a full blown drive. So you know, fair play to to he and his team for for, for doing that. I think behind the scenes, I'm, I'm sure he armed himself well too to to make sure he was in that in that position. So when the pack got shuffled, uh, you know, he was able to to plug himself into a a top team, and, and that's what's happened. Um, Dealbag, both uh, Sam and I have been to your uh, lovely new uh, premises up in Banbury, uh, 
Uh, well, with obviously all the, the work that's happening now with your new partner, um, ZF, you mentioned earlier that Mahindra is a work in progress. Where are you on that journey? I think we're coming to an end of the journey now in terms of work in progress. And you know, we're looking at season seven to be sort of a sort of a restart. We're hitting sort of a reset button and a restart. And I think we are like, cautiously optimistic going into season seven right now. Uh, what we've seen in terms of testing, et cetera, coming out from ZF has been a fantastic power train. I think those guys have really gone above and beyond our expectations, especially during uh, the pandemic period. Like uh, They've really le- uh, not dropped the ball. And we have been on time in terms of getting a product from them. And I think Alex, who has sort of tested with the car, can attest to the fact that, yeah, there's been considerable progress. Because I do remember the first few days when we sort of started the new powertrain. And as you, everyone knows, the first few days can be uh, slightly challenging. And soon after Berlin, while we did a few tests, there were a few challenges. But I think how we recovered from those challenges and sort of come in to where we're getting into Valencia, where we feel we are ready to go racing now in Santiago. Alex, we mentioned at the top of the show the various different um, teams and manufacturers that you've driven for in your career. I saw you were sort of lurking in the background when I was up at the factory visit uh, the other day. Um, what do you make of the facilities there and how do you see the potential of the team? I have to say it's extremely impressive and um, it's something that it immediately impressed me as soon as I joined Mahindra because I guess as soon as I joined, they were already in the new factory and everything was was sort of getting into full flow. Um and it's it for me. It seems like a team that's it's rapidly expanding. It's got big ambitions, um, which I love because, as do I, I also have big ambitions in this sport to to succeed. So for me to join a, a team that's on such a, a journey is is really exciting, and also to try and contribute that. And you know, at the end of the day, it it gives you how would I describe it? It gives you even more motivation to succeed in a sense that you want to match what this team wants and certainly that's what i want to do as well is to try and match the um what we yeah what we want to achieve with with everything that the team's doing um that's that's personally how i feel about it actually yeah i can i can see that and sam like mahindra have been an ever present in the series as we said but to most european race fans it was probably a name they hadn't heard of it's but it's evolved enormously since that time what have you made of that journey that the team's undertaken I think, first of all, I just absolutely love the fact that Formula E is such distinct characters and, and team characters. We've all been in paddocks, I think, where it's, you know, clone teams and regimented and clinical. You know, I'm not naming any series, F1, <coughs> excuse me. Um, but but seriously, yeah, Mahindra are very, uh, very distinct. And I think it's no secret that they are genuinely a very friendly team family orientated team and they love racing to their very core so um they're truly international as well which i like but still have a really strong indian identity at the same time dillbag's the front of house guy and it's hard to imagine the team without him now i guess but uh i suppose before i get all sentimental (laughs) in in season one i remember i remember the team was i mean frankly it was um it was finding its feet, I think, at the very least. You know, it was it was not really sure of its identity and where it was going technically um, and sportingly. So when Carlin were involved and then there was another iteration and then from season two onwards, it started to settle down a bit. And I'm, and I'm convinced, actually, that the Nick Heidfeld really helped shape that with his with experience with uh, what he'd done in the sport and, and in, in, um, in, uh, in respect of what he brought in so many areas. They're getting a structure now, a new one, 
and they've got this rebirth in a way with ZF and a more centralized structure and the new HQ and, and the things we've talked about, you know, even, even PR wise, I think they do some really interesting outside of the box stuff, but crucially for me, for, for everyone, I think whatever time of the day or night it is, there's always somebody there, whether it's Dillbag, the drivers, Bex, whoever, um, to, to speak to and to, to get info from. So, you know, you'd be amazed how many other teams, you can't get in touch with for days or weeks. I mean, I find that extraordinary, but Mahindra isn't like that. It's um, it's just bang on in everything it does. So I'm not surprised, you know, when I went there, as, as you did, V2B, that we saw this this in- incredible facility for, for, for a Formula E team. So, yeah, um, on lots of levels, they're, they're just a real proper professional entity. Dilbag, do you share Sam's um, sentiment there that Nick was a sort of pivotal in, in transforming the, the team into where it is today? Absolutely. I, I can't uh, sort of understate Nick's contribution. And I think we made it public for uh, for quite some time. And Nick continues to be a part of the family, a contributor. And just not at the Mahindra Racing, but across the Mahindra Group. I think that's how we rate him. See, he is a consummate professional. And I think every day we sort of learn he takes his job really seriously. And I think he believes in what he's doing. And I think that's something which is really amazing. When Nick sort of stepped in, he never sort of stepped in for himself, but he sort of looked at it as a project where he felt he could contribute. And I think he got himself really comfortable very soon into the team. And uh, from there on, he sort of, uh, he knew that we had his back. Uh, He knew uh, where he was in terms of his speed, etc. And what were his strengths, his weaknesses. And I think he was really comfortable with that. And I think once he got comfortable with himself, he sort of said, okay, I'm going to be, this team is some, something which I can mold around me and believe in and what I can do. And I think he's sort of been doing that since day, uh, since that day. I think it was one of the easiest conversations, which I expected to be a difficult one, was end of season four, when we sort of spoke to Nick and said, Nick, you're not going to be continuing driving, but you're still going to be helping the team. I, I was like not looking forward to the conversation, to be honest, because I know the drive in him and I, I knew that, okay, that, that guy wanted to continue. But surprisingly, he, I think he understood it totally, uh, no, that his driving has come to an end. But at the same time, his journey with Mahindra had come to an end. And he sort of just transformed immediately to this next role of helping us with the next set of drivers, getting them settled into the team, etc. So, yeah, um, I think Sam's totally right in terms of Nick's contribution. And we continue looking forward to him uh, contributing. At the same time, I think now with Alexander and Alex, they're also like, I think the expectations are, okay, now, guys, how do you take this uh, team to the next step? Because I think for us as a goal, it's really important to get back to where we were uh, earlier, which is like one of the top teams winning races, uh, being regularly on the podiums. And I think that's something which you know we're all uh, looking forward to. I've forgotten the taste of champagne and I really want to get back to that. Yeah, I can imagine. And obviously, testing starts in Valencia. I don't know how many days it'll be from when we release this podcast, but probably within a week. Um how, one, how much can you tell from the competitive order from what takes place in there? And two, where do you, what would constitute success to you? Do you, do you have to win races this year or this season? I think we want to go, uh, get back to winning races. Okay, in the end of the day, I think for us, I think what's really important is to start becoming consistent. And between Alexander and Alex, you know, consistently picking up points. Because as you've realized in Formula E, small points also make a difference. So we have to be there like week in, week out. It can't be just, okay, uh, a flare where we sort of go out, win a race, and then do nothing for the next couple of events, which used to be uh, what happened with Mahindra Racing earlier. I think for me, it's like, yeah, we have to be farmers in terms of just continue harvesting what we can. And I think we have the product, we have the team uh, for that. So, um, and I think what's also pretty encouraging to me is that now we've sort of gotten to a 
scenario where we can do in-season development, which was a weakness for us in season three and four and into season five also in terms of what our capacity and capability was for in-season development. We've seen in season six, yes, between uh, getting into Berlin, we've made a tremendous step forward. And I think now we have a process internally where we see there is going to be uh, steps taken uh, between races. Alex, I mean, it's it comes with no surprise to you the, the general level of competitive on the Formula E grid, and it's often cited as probably being the most competitive from front to back in motorsport. How do you rate your chances of uh, of actually racking up a win this season? To be honest with you, it, it's definitely my goal um, to at least. Well, I don't want to say I don't want to say at least, but I, I feel like I contested two at the start. I, you know, my ambitions in Formula E are, are pretty big, and I feel like I'm ready to achieve the results that not only not only Dillbag, I'm sure once, but also I I want I, I want to win a race. At, well, I want to say at least, but I certainly I'm aiming to win races this season and be on the podium and be in Super Bowl every week. And you know that's that's what we're turning up for every single weekend to try and achieve. You know, not to want to be around the bush, but I think now is the time to to really you know put put down some results on paper. And I think um, I feel very ready to to achieve those. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's. Maybe a short answer, but the answer is yes. I want I want to win a race this year and and, and be on the podium um, pretty regularly. How does it affect your um, mindset? Actually, you know, starting the season with that confidence of the team behind you because it's it's been sort of bit part roles that you've had up until now. I think um, it's it's nice, but if any if anything, I felt ready to do the job before, and if anything, now it's just given me even more preparation and even more time to. Um, work with the crew that I'm with um, like I said again also like the main people that I work with um, on a day-to-day basis or every, certainly yeah most days um, Cyril and Saqib my race engineer and performance engineer you know we've, we've formed such a tight little unit that every single day we're working to improve um, and when you're coming in and out it's it's impossible to have that that relationship but now it's sort of grown now over quite a long period of time now into the working relationship we have. And that, that is absolutely critical as, as we all know, it's, it's not only the driver that you need to, to get results. You need, you need your whole team around you to, and you know, the driver's the one that gets to spray the champagne and pick up the trophy, but the work that goes in behind it is, is incredible. And I've seen that in Mahindra that, that the, the amount of effort that everyone is going to is, uh, it's really impressive. And, it makes me very inspired to be a part of it, and hence why that's that's made me again even hungrier, to be honest, to, to achieve the results. Sam, one of the things I've always enjoyed most about Formula E is, is just how unpredictable it is, uh, and especially since they introduced the uh, that group qualifying format. Um, you'll be going off to Valencia to see the cars in action. I think that's the first time you've been at a track since March or something. And um, what what are you expecting to see there? Well, it's in classic Formula E style, even with the stability of having a third season of a rule set, it's impossible to make any predictions as usual. What I would say is that the champions, DS to Cheetah, will be strong again. You know, make no doubt about that. They will be up at the sharp end again. Um, and even though they will start with their old powertrain, they'll be there. Merck and Nissan, I think, will be strong. And although Nissan are following DS with their slot two homologation, They'll still be developing in, in some respects. So I think they will be there. Buemi and Roland were so strong at the end of last season. Um, Jack, uh, sorry, Audi and Envision, I think they've they've regrouped and they will be strong if they get the reliability 
sorted with the new powertrain. I think they'll be there. Same with Jags, really, in that bracket. The unknowns, I guess, are BMW, Porsche, and maybe perhaps Mahindra to some extent. Um, we'll just have to see with uh, those three and where they are. But, you know, there is a there is a quiet confidence that I think we felt from Banbury and, and certainly been there and speaking to, to Dilbag and, and some others there. It seems to be very much, um, there's a little bit of bullishness there for the season. You know, I think Neo 333 will 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 jump up a bit and may be able to get into the midfield at some stages. Venturi should be strong with Merck Power, but, you know, you're, you're never quite sure with with them. Uh, and, and then clearly Dragon, they'll be in a, you know, they'll be in a different postcode until they get their new kit on stream. So, yeah, there's there's so much, there's so many stories as ever in Formula and It's just going to be fascinating to see the hierarchy when it develops and the fact that we've got two double headers to start the season, you know, is is great because I think... I don't think it's great from a team's point of view. I think they much prefer the standalone single races. But but actually, if you've got a new powertrain and you get two bites of the cherry in one weekend, then um, it will be it will be pretty interesting. The only thing that I am going to predict is that it's going to be monumentally close. Uh, and then if you get qualifying right, have a clean race and get the odd rub of the green, then wins and podiums are possible, as 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 Alex and Dilbag have said. And and that they're in the hunt. You know they are in the mix to to achieve those ambitions that they've they've told us about. Alex, if Sam's right there, it sounds like just about every driver on the group is going to be going in thinking that they've got a chance of winning the race. And given the, the lack of track time that you get over a Formula E weekend, it means that the relationship between teammates is more important than ever. Uh, you and Alexander know each other a little bit. What What's the relationship like between the two of you? Well, I think Sam's absolutely right, but that's like like, like you said, Andrew. It's like that's that's the cool thing about Formula E. If you do never know, you know. Even as we know, like you could be half a second up the road all day, and you know it's still going to be really tough to win the race, uh, given how unpredictable it is. But now to come back to your point, me and um, me and Alexander, we 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 get on really well actually. Um, and you know, in the end, he he is a real consummate professional in everything he's done in his whole career. So from that side. I know we're going to work well together. You know, I, I guess when it comes to to teammates, it goes without you know it goes without saying. Of course, that we would like to beat each other, but at the same time, I think we're both um, old enough and ugly enough to know that we both need to be pushing the team forward, and for that, we need each other. Every time the helmet's off, we'll be um, absolutely working very well together. I'm sure of that, just purely because I know um, I know what a guy he is. So from that side, then. Um, I'm excited. It's it's uh, it's going to be a nice relationship, I'm sure. Dillbag, with the rules remaining broadly the same, the biggest change this year is, for the first time, it's an FIA World Championship. Um, what does that mean to you and to Mahindra in terms of, you know, the the um, uh, prestige of winning it? Well, I think for Mahindra, this is it's a great opportunity, right? Uh, we haven't won anything yet as a championship, and I think we have an opportunity to be the first world champion. So I think, yeah, while it's a very bold statement. I think it's it's really interesting for us. Uh, no, we are sort of regrouped. There's an opportunity to be the first world champion wins in Formula E, and I think that's uh, the goal which we have to sort of look at. Uh, it is a, a pretty stretch goal, but at the same time, I think we are really excited about it because in a very short span of six years and being there all throughout to see this championship from having the whole world sort of looking at us and wondering like what we were up to in terms of as naysayers, etc. Today to to sort of be one of the top motorsport championships in the world is amazing. And I think uh, we're just looking forward to sort of uh, seeing this, how it progresses going forward from here. 
Alex, do you think it changes anything from your perspective? Surely win, winning's winning, isn't it? But does a world championship add something to it? Um, I think it does, actually. Yeah, just from a personal point of view, everyone wants to be a world champion. Uh, that's that's why we all started in this sport, I guess, to to be considered the best in the world or something. Um, so, yeah, actually it does. It does add some prestige for me. Um, already it was extremely prestigious, but now it's another added level of, um, of kudos and prestige. Sam, what do you make of that? I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be maybe slightly controversial or whatever. I thought that the championship itself would make more of a big deal out of it. I, I think it seems to have hidden it behind a bushel in some respects. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you, actually. Yeah, I, it needs to ramp up a bit. I'm sure it will start doing that in Valencia and from Valencia onwards. But certainly, you know, there needs to be a bit bit, bit of a bigger noise for it because, you know, you can sure as you can sure as bet that the teams are, are forking out a lot more in entry fees and things just for ultimately for, for a world, you know, for, for the word world into the um, into the moniker of the championship. Essentially, it's been a world championship anyway, let's face it. I think it's amazing how many times drivers actually do call it a world championship, which, you know, is, is now true, but wasn't when they said it. It, it, it I guess commercially, you know, you'd have to speak to the commercial departments and, uh, maybe at the end of the season to see if it's made a, a, a genuine difference. I mean, interestingly, they um, they announced a deal with CBS uh, for a TV deal um, earlier this week, which is you know the first a great a great step in in terms of being in the right direction globally uh, and trying to uh, nail America a bit more. But but then you've got this whole sort of dichotomy as well of well you know what's what's going to happen next year. We we don't fully know yet. We, at present, we've only got four races confirmed on the on the calendar despite all the, the terrific work that Alberto Longo and his team are doing there is still a little bit of jeopardy in terms of where we're going to be racing um, but ultimately I think coming back to it, it it has to be good for the championship but but certainly I think more needs to be made of it uh, but but perhaps it is a legacy of you know these pretty uncertain times we're, we're living in right now. I think we should all congratulate ourselves for having got through the vast majority of this podcast without mentioning the coronavirus pandemic. But it, it it's hard to ignore, as you say, that we can't say with any great certainty um, what the calendar might be. Um, but that doesn't stop us having a little bit of fun and maybe chucking some fantasy venues in there. And I'm going to kick off uh, with a with a story about something I did many moons ago when I was editor of Autosport for a Christmas feature. Um, we'd something that we'd all discussed because the office was quite near to where I live in Kingston upon Thames, and we'd all been round a one-way system there uh, later at night when the roads were quiet. And I built or designed a Kingston one-way system street track. And a friend of mine uh, who runs Apex Circuits actually took it semi-seriously and looked at some of the corner radiuses and stuff like that. And funnily enough, the Kingston Chamber of Commerce actually ended up debating it about whether this was a feasible thing for them to do to try and get a race there. <laughs> it was never, ever going to happen. But it was actually picked up by um, a comedian, uh, I think his name's Mark King, who was doing a tour there and started off his, his opening set with a joke about them and a race, which uh, looked uh, Andrew, you should get the race to uh, make this uh, become the title par- uh, sponsor for the Kingston upon whatever Kingston upon Thames Ypres. I think that would be a fantastic event to have. We can have a double header, like, and we can it could be a double header in London and two different locations. I think that will be amazing. Like, no one's done that, right? Like, so on, on that on that basis, uh, Dealbag and Alex, uh, start with you, Dealbag. Where would you like to go if you could if you could put a race anywhere? Mumbai. I'd like to go back home, take it home. I think that's really important for us, and it'll be really cool to have a race in Mumbai. And the feasibility of that? 
I think with India, anything is possible, right? Uh, but uh, having said that, in, in seriousness, see, we at Mahindra are keen to have a race in India. We've sort of sort of held back for the first couple of years just to sort of get the championship around, see where we are performing, etc. And I think now has come a time when we are starting to look at it at a, with a, a bit more seriousness. And I'm hoping that maybe we can bring in something before Gen 3 to Formula E in terms of a concept for an India race. Oh, that would be fantastic. Um, Alex, what the Banbury uh, ring road system? Uh, it, it's got to be the FXE pre, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> everyone, everyone wants to see it. Like it's it's going to be the uh, race of the season. It's going to, I think, it could rival Monaco, really, <laughs> especially for the glamour. Um, As Vegas, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you know, there's so many options: Chelmsford, Epping, Loughton, everything at the end of the Central Line. You know, <laughs> <laughs> make it happen. <laughs> Yeah, why not? You could make a you could make a, a popular um, real life docudrama about that, couldn't you? I think and uh, and get it sponsored by. You, you really could. Let's get it sponsored by Fake Tanner. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but in end of season two, we uh, once we we took a demo run of a car in Delhi, and we had fans uh, to design a circuit, and I think we got on eighty submissions, and we sort of sent it out to FI. It was pretty interesting. You know, there were fans who were sort of helping us design a track in, in Delhi. I don't know if you guys even remember that from season two, but Naomi from our PR team did a fantastic job of putting this thing together and people took it so seriously and I think there were some realistic options coming out in terms of a race in Delhi. So there are people out there looking at uh, ideas and I think so your idea of Kingston upon Thames might just happen. Uh, I'm taking all the credit if it does, but uh, I, I'd love to see that race in India. I think it'd be great for the championship to uh, to have a race. I'm, I'm going to uh, follow. I'm going to follow everyone's kind of heart of going to home races and and a, and a race on the the streets of York. I think a blast around the Minster and, and Booth and Crescent would be great. And, and I know all the boozers there as well. So, um, but but my head says Poe. I think Poe would be only probably second to Macau. I think you know. Poe or Macau would be mighty, and obviously, if we went to Macau, then uh, then uh, Alex is a uh, Alex is quids in really after his performance there in in thirteen. I, I think Poe is actually quite feasible, actually. Like it, it's a pretty like you know it's the right size. It wouldn't be for me. It wouldn't be that would actually be pretty well not easy, but it would be the right size and everything for a Formula E race. I think. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fancy. Uh, I wouldn't fancy doing the the penalties afterwards though on that one. I, I think there'd be a few, um, yeah, a few sanctions after that. It's a cracking track, mate. Well, I, I think we've like solved all the reserve um, calendar slots for uh, this season, so I'll be expecting our commission from uh, Alberto when this all comes to pass. I'll remind him when I speak to him next week. Well, thank you very much for joining us, uh, Alex and Dillbag. It's been brilliant to have you on, and we wish you all the best of luck for testing and uh, a smooth season seven. And thank you all for listening as well. If you want to catch up on all the news from inside the Valencia paddock, as Sam will be there and um, sniffing around as he does. And uh, don't forget to visit the hyphenrace.com for all our Formula E news. Thank you very much, and goodbye. <laughs>